and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and for today's episode I had the pleasure of speaking with Tally Rosman, Xerox VP and General Manager for 3D Printing. The well-known 2D print giant made its play for the additive manufacturing industry back in 2019 with the acquisition of startup Beta Systems and its liquid metal 3D printing technology. Xerox has since gone on to introduce its first metal system, the LMX, and recently announced the Naval Postgraduate School as its first installation. We spoke to Tally about Xerox's long history with 3D printing, got the latest details on the LMX, and the company's pragmatic approach to ensuring additive can be easily integrated into existing workflows. As always, if you like what you hear, you can get your free print subscription to TST Magazine and receive the biggest 3D printing news stories straight to your inbox every week with our Additive Insight newsletter by subscribing at tstmagazine.com. Let us know what you think on social at the TCT Magazine and join in the discussion on the Additive Manufacturing Global Community Discord. But first, a word from our podcast sponsor. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial-grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software, which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimega machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash UltimegaPod. Tally, thank you so much for joining us today on the Additive Insight Podcast. How are you doing? Well, thank you. Very happy to be here. For our listeners who may be unfamiliar with your work, can you just share with us what your role is at Xerox and, and how you got into the 3D printing industry? Sure. So I'm the general manager of 3D printing in Xerox, which means I oversee end-to-end uh, all the 3D printing uh, related business at Xerox, from R&D to engineering, product management, application engineering, uh, and down to sales and customers. And I had Xerox for a year now, but I actually got into the additive manufacturing industry about seven years ago when I joined uh, Stratasys. And so we'll talk a little bit about your time at Stratasys um, in a moment, but as you say, you, you joined Xerox now um, just a- around a year ago. And really, in the year leading up to that, the companies began to heavily invest into 3D printing with the acquisition of Vader Systems as part of this three-year innovation roadmap. How has the company been ramping up those additive manufacturing capabilities in just your time there? So interestingly, Xerox has actually been in the 3D printing industry for about 20 years things from printhead development that's actually being used uh, on quite a few 3D printers out there today. Materials work done, of our, done out of our facility in Canada, XRCC, and a lot of software development work that was done for the likes of uh, NASA and DARPA down at the park, the Palo Alto Research Center. But I absolutely agree with you. You know, Xerox a couple of years ago made the strategic decision to take all the various assets and developments around 3D printing and additive manufacturing and pull them together to build a significant uh, business. And since then, we've been investing heavily and ramping up 
why do you think it took the company um, so long to actually go and launch a technology of their own then after having you know years building things for for other products I think the 3D printing industry as a whole went through a lot of uh, different cycles and development. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, Xerox felt the time is right from uh, where the market is, from where the technology and the developments that they have were. So I I think it was just the right timing. And of course, as you mentioned at the start, you came from Stratasys, one of the the founding pillars of the 3D printing industry. Coming into Xerox, this major brand in the 2D printing space, were there any kind of key learnings that you brought over from your time at Stratasys that you felt were particularly applicable to what Xerox wanted to do in the the 3D printing space? Yeah, so when I joined Stratasys uh, seven years ago, about uh, four years there, you know, in 2014, we all thought that by 2020, 2021, 3D printing is going to be much more mainstream than mm-hmm. today. Um, and so one of my biggest learnings were, you know, from the Stratasys days, and I think, you know, it, it applies to the industry as a whole, is one, the technology needs to be more mature or stable, mm-hmm. reliable, repeatable. But secondly, that it's not just about the technology. It's about everything that's surrounding it, from the software to the services to even the change management elements of getting manufacturing company to, uh, to adopt a new technology and embed it into their existing workflows. And maybe that's one of the things as well, right, is helping companies embed it into their existing supply chain and manufacturing operations because even if 3D printing you know, grows significantly and gets to 5% of the manufacturing pie, 10% of the manufacturing pie, that still means the vast majority of the manufacturing pie is dominated by traditional manufacturing methods. Mm-hmm. We, the 3D printing players, have to integrate into these workflows and not the other way around. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's a big kind of lesson learned that I took from my time in Stratasys and brought it to Xerox. I guess having that understanding then having been in the industry for some time and it must have been really valuable to have that knowledge that you do need these three portions of the the workflow for materials and software and and hardware and make sure that all of those things kind of link together and are really this full end-to-end workflow rather than just thinking about building a technology or building a machine. Absolutely and you know you said now hardware materials and software which Absolutely true, and all these components have to be solid. But I think what's missing is the services component, because I think mm-hmm. no matter how strong the technology is, you have to think about the human element and the change management in helping companies adopt these new technologies. You know, they've been doing this part in metal casting for the last thirty years. Why get them to switch? Uh, mm have to help them identify where 3D printing can truly add value to their operations and help them make uh, that transition. So I think, you know, that services component is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. And are you finding you're having to have a lot of conversations like that with um, potential customers about where additive fits in or, or is there a bit more of a maturity and understanding around the potential of additive manufacturing these days? It varies from company to company. You're starting to see companies who are getting uh, pretty savvy when it comes to additive mm-hmm. manufacturing. They might even have an additive manufacturing center of excellence. So they have people who 
can identify uh, the right parts. But the bulk of the companies we're talking to um, are still not there, and they do require support in identifying the parts that are fit for additive manufacturing, both from the uh, from the part design, but also from the economics perspective of that part, from uh, the value of the part, how it's how important it is to always have this part uh, available in stock, uh, the volume, so forth. And and how do you do that? I mean, do you start with smaller things like, I don't know, maybe jigs and fixtures, tool and that kind of thing? Or, or is it about helping them maybe work out how a particular part could be redesigned for additive? So I think it's all of the above. And it okay. depends on the company and uh, where they are in the uh, adoption cycle of additive manufacturing. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing the penetration of 3D printing, it's probably about 40% in prototyping. You know, it's probably kind of 15%-ish in jigs and fixtures, um, and it's well below 1% uh, in end-use parts. So if the company is already using um, 3D printing and prototyping and jigs and fixtures, then the next logical step is to talk to them about end-use parts. And if the company is earlier on in the adoption cycle, it might make sense to start with uh, tooling or jigs and fixtures. So Xerox acquired Vader Systems back in 2019. Can you talk a bit about how you're matching your technology expertise up with that of the liquid metal AM process and also how the technology maybe has evolved since the acquisition? Absolutely. So I've actually known the Vaders uh, back from the Stratasys days when they were very early stage. You know, Xerox acquired them. And then when I was um, interviewing for Xerox, and I saw that the, the development that Xerox has made with the technology since acquisition, I was extremely impressed. Uh, <laughs> in fact, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to join Xerox because, you know, at that time I saw what was done in a, a year from the acquisition. Um, so, I, you know, for me, it was just such a great proof of how Xerox, you know, with its jetting expertise, mm-hmm knowing how to make uh, mission critical pieces of equipment, you know, just, you know, what great value it can bring to the table. Because mm-hmm. when I knew Vader five, six years ago, I thought the technology has a ton of potential. I mean, you know, using metal wire, obviously it's, <laughs> it's a great technology and a great invention, but I also knew that there's a lot of work to harden that technology and getting it to the quality uh, that it is today. And Xerox, you know, invested over two years, a lot of very smart people, and we actually have a lot of inventions uh, and a lot of IP that was developed in the last two years around uh, the Vader technology to get it to where it is today, to the LMX uh, liquid metal printer. So what kind of industries or application areas do you see this printer being the most valuable? You spoke briefly then about how a lot of this industry is still focused on like 40% around prototyping. Are you looking at those more end-use production applications with this technology? So the way that we invested in the technology and have also invested in everything around it and are building it is for end-use parts. So our Mm -hmm is really to help companies build resiliency into their supply chains and doing that by ensuring that they can use the sprinter to make the part that they want when they want it. Whether if 3D printing is the default form of manufacturing for the part or whether they're using 3D printing 
as a form of business continuity, you know, mm-hmm. backup generator, if you will. Um, so, you know, if you can do end use parts, of course you can do jigs and fixtures and toolings. Uh, and of course you can do prototyping, but um, the LMX liquid metal printer is an industrial uh, piece of equipment. You know, it brings the quality to the table. Uh, it brings the reliability to the table. So I see it as a better fit uh, for that versus uh, uh, for pure prototyping. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the industries, you know, in terms of, you know, when you're thinking about the value of uh, the supply chain resiliency, it lends itself to industries where, you know, having the part available when you need it is very valuable. And you kind of couple that with our uh, current material range that really lends itself to aerospace and defense, heavy equipment, automotive, and uh, depending on the application, oil and gas as well. You touched on um, supply chain then. I just wondered what your thoughts were on um, the potential for additive manufacturing in in making our supply chains more resilient because it was an issue that was really highlighted over the last year when we saw supply chain disruptions in the early days of COVID and lockdowns and regional restrictions. So what what kind of opportunities do you think there is there for additive manufacturing? Absolutely. So I think um, 2020 really highlighted the need to have business continuity plans when it comes to your parts, when it comes to your supply chain as well. Mm -hmm. Survey done um, in the first half of last year um, by the Supply Chain Institute that uh, 80% of the companies in the U.S. struggle to get parts because of COVID, their supply chain were disrupted. And that was Mm -hmm. interesting. But for me, the more interesting nugget in that survey was that 50% of the companies didn't have a backup plan. So I spent a few years in the software industry And every company in the software industry has a business continuity, disaster recovery plan, right? You have backup servers, your servers is down, you know exactly what to do. And when it comes to the physical supply chain, to your parts, 50% of the companies didn't have a backup plan. Even the ones that did have a backup plan, well, a lot of them realized, actually, our backup plan isn't good enough. Case in point, we were struggling to get parts. Um, So I think... It brought home the point of you need to have this business continuity plan for your parts. Uh, and this is exactly where 3D printing, because it's direct manufacturing without the needs for toolings or mold, this is exactly where 3D printing can help you add value. And again, you can use 3D printing as your default form of manufacturing for the parts, or you can use 3D printing just for these instances where your supply chain is disrupted as your backup generator. And either way you're going to use it, you're going to be adding value to your company and to your supply chain operations. And so the first LMX printer was recently installed at the Naval Postgraduate School. Can you talk about uh, what they're either planning or currently using the machine for? What kind of applications? Sure. So Maybe I'll start with the long-term first, and then I'll talk about what they're doing right now. So long-term, the Naval Postgraduate School, their goal is to reduce the military supply chain by putting 3D printers on ships. So instead of carrying all the inventory, you'll have a 3D printer on the ship, and you can 3D print on demand the parts that you need. Um, Obviously, you know, this vision is, is years away. And so the work that we're doing with the Naval Postgraduate School now is the first step towards that long-term vision. So in the short term, 
their goal is to start exposing their students, which are uh, off, a lot of them are naval officers and the likes to the liquid metal technology so that these students can lean on their experience and find the creative use for the technology and the right use cases and applications. Uh, and so, for example, one thing NPS is looking at is using LMX to print uh, parts for turbo machineries, things like uh, uh, turbine compressors and engines. Um, and they're starting with stationary parts and then gradually, you know, as they're going to get more comfortable with the technology and the process, they're going to be building parts to operate um, to operate at high speed. So actually parts you can put directly into an engine. And what about Xerox itself? Do, do you use additive manufacturing in-house and are you using your own printers in-house? Yes, we do. So we, we call it eating our own dog food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Xerox is... Uh, you know, committed to, you know, being our own first customer and, and, and making sure that, uh, again, we're eating our own dog food. So um, I think about uh, kind of six, eight months ago, we started educating our own engineering teams in, uh, you know, in the core side of the house about the liquid metal printer and its capabilities and what parts it can cater to. And we basically told them, hey, when you're, next time you're struggling, with a part, be it a new design for the new digital press or a legacy spare part um, that you're having supply chain issues, let us know, test us out, let's see if we can help. Uh, and we got quite a few parts from it. Um, so for example, one of the parts is actually a, a legacy spare part. Uh, it's for an iGen 5, which is a, a 15 year old digital press. Um, because it's 15 years old, as you can imagine, the, vol the volumes are pretty low. And uh, the supplier sent uh, our engineering team a note that they're no longer going to be supplying this part. doesn't make sense for them anymore. So they came to us. They challenged us, hey, can you 3D print it? And uh, took us about just over four hours. And we were able to print it, put it on the, uh, put it on the iGen 5, and it works. So, you know, this is one example for a low-volume spare part how we're adopting our own technology to make that transition. That's a great proof point, isn't it? Yeah, and I can tell you, we got uh, no discounts from that team, right? We had, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, just because we both work in Xerox, you know, they, you know, they're very committed to their product, to the iGen Five, and to its quality, to their customers. So we had to prove that the quality that we deliver is good, and we also had to prove that the economics work that it's worth it to them to 3D print it instead of continuing to do it with metal casting. Find a different supplier, qualify them, uh, retool, and do it with metal casting. Mm -hmm. So when the Vader acquisition was first announced, I, I remember Xerox highlighting these uh, four main uh, kind of key pain points that they had identified in additive manufacturing, things like productivity, cost, the material choice, and also workflow. Can you give us an update on the progress that Xerox are making in, in tackling those four areas? Sure. So the first two were productivity and cost. And I think the two mm -hmm. hand in hand, because I think about it as productivity per dollar. Right? In theory, you can just buy 20 printers and get all the productivity you want, but then the costs are going to be extremely high. So when we're thinking productivity per dollar, our liquid metal printer offers significant improvements versus uh, powder bed fusion technology, for example. Um, a lot of those cost efficiencies come from uh, the lower material cost because we're leveraging off-the-shelf non-proprietary metal wire instead of costly proprietary. 
dietary powders. Uh, some of it comes from the shorter cycle time. Since we don't have to do any powder removal or debinding or sintering, our cost processing is shorter and that manifests itself into dollar savings. And obviously the safety, because you can put our printer on the production floor. Um, unlike, uh, for example, powder bed fusion printers that require a special room with special ventilation, uh, you know, with special, you know, you need PPE to come close to mm -hmm. take parts off the bill plate. So all these things, aside from being a headache and being cumbersome, they have a dollar value attached to them. And so the productivity per dollar for us is very favorable. Uh, in terms of the material choice, I mean, I think we're thinking about it a little differently because one of the nice things that we're trying to do is use non-proprietary off-the-shelf materials. So, okay. um, you know, so our aluminum is 100% aluminum. It's not 95% aluminum and 5% um, what have you. Um, so we're really trying to leverage the real material with the known properties. Mm -hmm. In terms of the workflow, I, I think this ties to the things that I was saying before. So I think we're humble enough to understand that the, the vast, vast majority of the parts are not going to be made with 3D printing. So we have to integrate into existing workflows and we have the obligation to make it easy for the customer to integrate it into their existing system. So that's absolutely top of mind for us. Mm -hmm. And you spoke earlier about the importance of recognizing how AM fits into to, to these workflows and the, the kind of the other auxiliary technologies you need around it, things like software. And I just wondered what Xerox's approach to the software side of the AM workflow, because I understand from a previous conversation with Xerox that uh, the intention was to almost have this uh, what you see is what you get confidence that you find in your document printing and bring that over to additive manufacturing to make sure that whatever design you put into a machine is, is going to be the, the part you get out at the end. So I think the software has uh, two components to it, right? One is the software that goes into the printer, if you will, and improves your uh, part uh, printing process and mm -hmm. reliability you can have. And I think the second half of the equation is the software workflows to integrate it into your daily operation. So, you know, software to help you identify the right parts for 3D printing, software to help you optimize the part for 3D printing DFAM so you can extract the full value, software tools to help you build the economic case so you can make informed decisions on what to 3D print versus what to continue to do in traditional manufacturing. So I, a lot of this work today is uh, done, um, quote unquote, in tribal knowledge mode uh, and isn't automated and is in people's mm -hmm. minds. People we're going to be seeing in the next few years from Xerox, but also from other vendors, um, is starting to see these manual uh, workflows becoming more and more automated and having more easy to use software solutions to help you both maximize the print itself and get the most benefit and confidence in it, as well as your overall workflow and decision-making with regards to 3D printing. Mm -hmm. 
And I know we touched on it a little bit earlier about how 3D printing has been um, used more in supply chain and how people have had to really think about having those backup plans for the uh, manufacturing uh, supply chain workflows. I just wondered if you had any thoughts on the impact that the last year has really had around the perception of 3D printing as a potential manufacturing uh, technology, potential production technology. Absolutely. So I think uh, maybe before last year, a lot of the thinking about 3D printing was kind of a zero or one. I'm either going to make this part in traditional manufacturing method, casting, machining, what have you, or I'm going to 3D print it. And what we're seeing in the last year is that people are starting to think about it not as a zero or one, but more as a hybrid approach. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll continue with are business as usual, I'll continue to make this part with metal casting, but when I have a disruption to my supply chain, uh, because of a global pandemic, because of a trade war, or even if it's just something as simple as a supplier going out of business, I can cover that gap by using 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once that thinking, you know, we're, which we're seeing more and more of, it's not a zero one, it's a hybrid. It's an additional tool that you have to ensure your business continuity and your supply chain resiliency. Now that a lot of companies are starting to speak in that language, I think we're going to be seeing 3D printing getting more and more broadly adopted. Mm -hmm. And finally, you seem very, very grounded in the way you're thinking about additives capabilities. You know, you recognize that it's not really a, a one one solution fits, it fits every application you've got. And sometimes you will have to think about how this fits into traditional manufacturing, supply chains, etc. So what are Xerox's long-term ambitions for 3D printing? And what can we expect to see next from you? Can we expect to see some polymers perhaps? So we are fully committed to helping our customers build resiliency into their supply chain. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure that customers have the confidence that they can get the part that they want when they want it without needing to build tens of millions of dollars worth of inventory to assure that. And so the liquid metal printer can help you with uh, some of your parts, but by no means uh, is this the only thing that we're going to be doing. As you were alluding, we're going to be doing uh, more things um, across the board, uh, be it uh, in hardware and software and in services to help our customers realize that vision of supply chain resilience. And now a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash Ultimaker pod.